I've heard tales of your kind, Witcher. You're a mutant. Created by magic. Roaming the continent. We don't want your kind here. Hunting monsters. For a price. I thought you'd have fangs or horns or something. I had them filed down. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Hello Poland. I am your host, Ellie, and today I'm going to be talking about the hugely successful fantasy story, Viedjmin, which is in English, of course, The Witcher. Now, as a British person, uh, it always makes me really happy to see how much love Harry Potter gets all around the world. Um, you know, I've had students from completely different cultures, uh, like Saudi Arabia, who were super obsessed with Harry Potter, and you have Hogwarts branded notebooks and pencil cases, and here in Krakow, I see Gryffindor hats out in the street, and a lot of my students also love uh, Lord of the Rings, and Har uh, Harry Potter, I said that already, Sherlock as well. Um, and it just makes you feel really proud, even though obviously I had no hand in writing Harry Potter. Um, but it's just nice to see stories from from my country and from my culture out in in the world, just living their lives. Uh, just people just enjoying them. Um, something Britain has done to be proud of, rather than just feeling ashamed of. Brexit and colonialism so yeah I think it seems to me like the Witcher is the same kind of thing for Polish people I think they they're really proud of how how much success it's got and how how global this success has been um, and I think in the same way that Harry Potter kind of spreads a bit of an idea of what British people are like and what British culture is like and uh, draws a lot on some really interesting bits of like British and Celtic folklore like boggarts and pixies and stuff like that. Um, the, the Witcher draws on loads of cool Slavic folklore and fairy tale and stuff like that. Um, so the, the author Andrzej Zabkowski is often described as the, the Polish Tolkien, and I, I think rightfully so. Um, but there's actually a really interesting, unexpected success story of how The Witcher became so popular. It could really easily have never been written. So I'm going to be talking to you about how it started, how it came to be, what it's about, what is a Witcher, and I'm going to dive into some of the Polish and Slavic folklore behind the story, which I am really excited to share with you. This is going to be a spoiler-free podcast, so regardless of if you've read, played or watched The Witcher before, you can sit back and enjoy 
with no fear of spoilers. So here we go, let's jump in. The Witcher is a series of six fantasy novels and 15 short stories written by the author Andrzej Zabkowski. They were first published in 1992 and now they have since sold over 50 million copies worldwide. But Sapkowski didn't intend to write a fantasy novel. He didn't even intend to become a writer. So he was born in Łódź in Poland uh, and studied economics at the University of Łódź. In 1985, at the age of 38, he was a travelling sales representative dealing furs. He travelled to many different countries and spoke several different languages. He was a big fan of fantasy and on his travels he read tons of books to pass the time whilst he was on business. He saw a short story writing competition in a Polish fantasy magazine and on a whim he decided to give it a shot. He was inspired by a Polish fairy tale of the Smok Wawelski, in English the Wawel Dragon. The story goes that in ancient times in King Krak's city, which you may now know as Krakow, there lived a beastly dragon which dwelled in a den under Vavel Hill and terrorised all the inhabitants of the city. They had to feed the monster by giving him offerings of cattle, though some tales say that he would eat nothing but virgins. No knight could vanquish the monster until a young shoemaker called Scuba outsmarted the dragon. He stuffed a ram with sulphur and put the ram in front of the dragon's den. The dragon ate the ram happily and devoured it whole. Immediately, the dragon felt a bad pain and a burning in the throat. To quench his thirst and to try and soothe the pain, the dragon came out of his den and started to drink from the Vistula River. He drank and he drank and he drank and he drank, but water cannot extinguish burning sulphur so the gases produced by the fires inside of him made the beast explode. All the townsfolk celebrated and the heroic shoemaker was rewarded generously. From this fairy tale Sapkowski thought that hmm, whilst soldiers and knights might be good for fighting wars they're not really smart enough or strong enough to defeat dragons or monsters and that really the people need a professional to do that for them. So he invented monster hunters called witches. Witches have supernatural powers and kill beasts, often for a price from the local people. Witches are chosen as children and trained and put through trials from a young age. This process changes people's bodies using mutagenic mushrooms, herbs and plants. And many children do not survive this process. But those who do will have abilities which 
even the playing field between man and beast. An example of this being uh, yellow cat-like eyes for tracking their prey, or enhanced strength and speed, accelerated healing powers, and immunity to most diseases. They also have an extended lifespan and can live for centuries, damning them to a kind of lonely existence in a similar way to many vampire stories. Many people consider witches to be emotionally stunted as well because of these, um, because of these mutations and because of how long they live. So they're somewhat outcast uh, from society because people are scared of them and think that they are cold killers. But the main character, Geralt of Rivia, shows many aspects of morality uh, which suggest that maybe this is not exactly true. So this is the basic premise of Sapkowski's short story that he wrote for the um, Polish fantasy magazine story competition. At this point it was only 30 pages and it won a modest but respectable third place. But the public liked The Witcher so much that they wanted more. So even though Zapkowski never intended to write more than this short story, the fans were so demanding that he decided to give it a shot and write some more. So he wrote a few more short stories that were eventually published into two books, uh, Sword of Destiny in 1992 and The Last Wish in 1993. Also from 1993, uh, a couple of Sapkowski's stories were adapted into comic books. The support for The Witcher grew more and more, it became more and more popular, so Sapkowski decided to take a leap and write a full, full-blown fantasy saga of long individual stories. And in 1994, lo and behold, the first book in The Witcher saga was released. Such a considerate guy, Sapkowski didn't want anyone to have to wait more than a year for each new story. So he published one book every year uh, in his Witcher Saga. Saga? Saga. What am I saying? Anybody knows how to pronounce this word, let me know. Um, but he published one book every year and in 1999 The Witcher Saga. The Witcher the Witcher series, the Witcher book series, was complete. Um, so I really wish that George RRRR Martin would have the same attitude with his books. So good job, Sapkowski. Very, very productive, very considerate. I appreciate that. So I think this is a cool story because he could so easily have not written these books, but jump forward to today and they are a worldwide hit and they've been translated into loads of languages, Chinese, English, French, Russian, Lithuanian, Spanish. 
So, he's got these successful books, and what comes next? Games. So, the video game development of The Witcher also had a really rocky ride, and also seems like it could have very easily never made it to, to getting published. Um, in 1996, a, uh, a group called the Metropolis Software started developing the Witcher video game, but their progress was really slow because they had other projects that they were working on at the time and they only, only had 15 people working in their group. So unfortunately they gave up in 1999. They decided they weren't going to make The Witcher. Then in 2002 a, a Polish television series was made based on The Witcher. Um, but unfortunately uh, it completely bombed and it was a critical and box office failure, sadly. Then in 2003 game developers from a company called Project Red uh, got in touch with Sapkowski and negotiated the rights for the story of The Witcher um, and even though they didn't offer a great amount of money Sapkowski accepted. Uh, in the first year this game developing studio had a demo but it was not very successful and the studio could not get a positive answer from anybody and the leader of the team quit. Then. In 2004, a new guy came in and took over um, and luckily this next demo that they made was so good that um, it was picked up by Jade Empire. Uh, initially they thought the game would take 15 people to make it but it actually ended up taking 100 people and 5 years to make and it costed uh, an unprecedented 20 million zloty, which is the equivalent of around you know, 15 million pounds. Um, and that was actually all of the money that the studio had back then. So they really went all in gambling on this game to try and make it good. Eventually, in 2007, the game was finally published. Um, the game has a vast open universe where the players explore as Geralt, the Witcher, and they slay beasts and they talk to the different kings and rulers of the different cities in the continent. Uh, the player can make choices but every action has its consequences and there is no black and white morality here. So jump forward to today, there are now three Witcher games which have sold over 40 million copies worldwide and they've also won a bazillion game awards too. The games were so successful that they printed Sapkowski's Witcher books again, but this time 
they renamed the books as The Witcher because previously they had been called The Hexer. But I'm sure you'll agree, The Witcher has a bit more of a ring to it. Uh, in 2013, um, somebody created another comic book series based on The Witcher. And then, thanks to the popularity of all of this, the books and the games, Netflix became interested in making an adaptation in 2017. They cast Henry Cavill, most famous for playing Superman, as the main character of Geralt of Rivia. And the show was mainly filmed in Central and Eastern Europe including the finale which was filmed at oh dear please excuse my pronunciation Ogrod Sienietz Castle in Poland which is about an hour north of Katowice so the show came out in 2019 and it had mixed reviews from the critics uh, a lot of criticism and a lot of mean comments comparing it unfavorably to Game of Thrones and saying that it was a um, Game of Thrones cheap knockoff copycat trying to plug people's withdrawal symptoms from the last season of Game of Thrones. But despite this, despite the critics' opinion, it did really well on viewership and in general, the public, the normal person, seemed to really enjoy it. And in December 2019, The Witcher became the most in-demand TV series in the world, apparently. And Netflix said that the first season had been viewed by over 76 million viewers in January 2020. That's a lot of people. Um, oh, and the soundtrack won loads of awards too. Honestly, the soundtrack is super beautiful. It's one of my favourite soundtracks. Um, and it's got a nice Slavic feeling to it as well. Or at least it sounds what I would stereotypically associate with some Slavic styles. <laughs> I won't claim to be an expert there. So there we go, the Netflix TV show came out and then after that the Witcher game sales went up by a whopping 554% and similarly in 2020 Zapkowski became Amazon's most popular author just knocking JK Rowling off her post, sorry JK. So really all of the success from each of the mediums of The Witcher just keeps snowballing and snowballing and feeding back into itself and making it stronger like some kind of monstrous symbiosis. Who knows where it'll go next? Maybe a, a musical. <laughs> I'd like to see that actually. I wonder if Henry Cavill can sing. The Witcher has been described as a love letter to Slavic folklore. Right from the first story that Sapkowski wrote, we see a dark creature called a Striga, 
and this is a princess cursed before birth to become a sharp-toothed, long-armed creature who rises from its crypt each full moon to feed on human blood. There are many different Slavic variations on this female blood-sucking figure. In Polish folklore, any woman, regardless of social status, could become a striga. Some were even believed to be doomed to it if they were born with two rows of teeth or two hearts. A person attacked by the demon would often die or at least feel very weakened as a result. In some cultures, the striga can turn into animals or become invisible. Uh, that might sound familiar, and yes, many of these characteristics have been used by Bram Stoker and others to create the more modern concept of vampires. Another creature from Slavic folklore that we see is the Noon Wraith. These monsters appear in fields when the sun is at its highest. Swaying grains on a windless day announce their arrival. They dance in circles in the light of day and draw farmers in to join them. Since they're ghosts, no one who joins them leaves the circle alive. They dance themselves mad until they die of exhaustion. This is based on a Slavic mythology creature uh, who is sometimes called a noon wraith, sometimes called Lady Midday, and she only appears at the hottest points of the day and is thought to be the personification of heat stroke. She may appear as a beautiful young woman, or as an old hag, or even as a cloud of whirling dust but she usually carries a scythe, which she uses to decapitate anyone who fails to answer her questions and riddles. We also have uh, crones. So most cultures have tales of three magical sisters who meddle and toil with man's fate. A famous example of um, the, the three sisters in Shakespeare's Macbeth, uh, but we also have these in Slavic folklore. So the crones from The Witcher are unquestionably inspired by the Slavic folklore figure of Baba Yaga, who is a deformed maternal character, uh, often depicted as an old woman with uh, sort of chicken legs. So she resides deep within the forest um, and she's one of the most recurrent figures in Slavic folk fairy tales. So Baba Yaga is ambiguous in her moral nature. Sometimes she appears as a saviour and sometimes she appears as more of a, a villain, mischievous villain character. So. Baba Yaga may choose to help or hinder those who approach her as she, as she wills. Modern scholars dispute whether Baba Yaga was meant as a 
moral lesson about the human condition and good and evil, or whether she was designed merely as a, a stock character designed to frighten disobedient children. There are endless other pieces of folklore and mythology in all forms of The Witcher, um, which I'm sure you can find lots and lots about online if you are interested and hungry for more, but I hope that that gives you a little taste of how rich The Witcher is with uh, mythology. So I hope that this podcast has inspired you to go and check out The Witcher a bit more. Personally, I really enjoyed the Netflix show. That was the first uh, thing that I'd heard of it. Um, There were some aspects of it that frustrated me, some parts of the dialogue and some storytelling decisions that they made. And I did find that the plot exposition was done too quickly and in a way that was a bit difficult to follow. But apart from that, I always had a great time watching it and it's really hooked me into the world of the continent where the story takes place. Um, The acting is really good. I wouldn't have picked Henry Cavill for the role because as Superman he's so shiny and plastic and hairless and a perfect goody two-shoes character but watching The Witcher I completely bought him as the character. I think they they put some dirt on him, they made him all hairy and they grubbed him up a little bit and it works. And I think you you can tell he he really really enjoys playing the character as well. So good job. The moral aspect of the TV show is really good. Lots of interesting questions. Nobody is black or white, good or evil. The world feels really vast and expansive, which is really cool. The twists uh, in the plot paid off really well. And just the atmosphere um, around the life of this witcher roaming the continent, tracking down monsters. Uh, It was just really captivating. And it's a really nice main concept base to have for a story. Um, So despite any of the issues I had, I still found myself wanting to watch more and more. Um, So despite any of the issues that I had, um, I'm really hoping that the show has found its feet through season one and that season two will be even better. So I'm really excited to watch more of it and also to to delve into the games and maybe the books one day too. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Hello Poland. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye.